Thank you, guys. Appreciate you sharing that. Thank you, choir, for singing, and thank all of you for taking part in worship this morning. Thank you for being involved. It's good to have worshipers present on Sunday morning. So uh, thank you so much for being involved in worship. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, I'm going to share a few verses, perhaps a familiar passage, one of the uh, first verses that I remember memorizing uh, several years ago, Luke chapter 9. We're going to look at verse 23 through verse 27 as we continue our theme, going forward in faith. But today I want to share with you, going forward in faith, choosing to be committed. Choosing to be committed. I appreciate Terry leading a, a familiar hymn. Well, it's not as familiar as it used to be. Come all Christians, be committed. I appreciate him leading that hymn. We used to sing out all the time. We did. We used to sing out all the time. And we don't hear it much now. I wonder why. All, come all Christians, be committed. I remember Brother Frank Messer used to, we, we sang that song uh, a lot, uh, every, every month, several times a month. Come all Christians, be committed. It's not bad to be reminded of that. So today I want to share with you going forward in faith, choosing to be committed. Luke chapter 9, and we want to look at verse 23 through verse 27. And this is Jesus speaking. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you of a truth, There'll be some standing here which shall not see the taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. If you would, let's focus in on a text, verse verse 23. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Last week I shared a message about being consecrated. Sometimes we confuse being consecrated and being committed We kind of see, understand those being the same, but they're quite different. The Hebrew word for consecrate means to be clean. It means to be pure, to purify, to pull apart from a common and profane world. So that's to consecrate. God instructed Moses in Exodus 19 verse 10 to consecrate the people, have the people to pull apart and to clean themselves and Moses told them to to take a bath, to wash their clothes and to to take a bath. God instructed Joel, if you remember in Joel chapter 1 and chapter 2, we shared that last week, to consecrate the people. The point is in order to meet God in worship, in order to meet God in prayer, we have to be clean. We have to be clean morally, we have to be clean mentally, we have to be clean spiritually. We're to be consecrated. So consecrated is a very important word. So the first concept of consecrate is to be clean. 
But we notice the second concept of that word. Consist, uh, the consecrate simply means to, to fill the hand. To fill the hand. So to be clean, to be pure, to be pure uh, mentally, uh, to, be, uh, to be pure spiritually, to be clean, but then to fill the hand. And I gave an illustration how the priest would stand at the altar with his arms outstretched and his hands open and people would come by and they would place their sacrifice into the hands of the priest in order for him to offer their sacrifice to God for the forgiveness of their sins. So once this offering was placed in the hands of the priest, that offering belonged to God. The offering was dedicated to God. The offering was consecrated for God and for the purposes of God. And so you have that word consecrate, to keep pure, to be pure, and then to place in outstretched hands. And Paul reminded us in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I beseech you, or I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, by the pleasures of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. And you can see and understand how we would offer ourselves to God as a sacrifice to him. We give all of ourselves to him. And so to consecrate is to be pure, to be clean, mentally, spiritually, in mind, in our behavior, but then at the same time to offer our total being to God. God, here I am. I'm giving myself to you as a sacrifice. You own me. That's consecrate. So this morning, think of yourselves being consecrated to God. Think of yourselves being clean and morally and mentally and spiritually and presented to God, dedicated to Him for His purpose and will. Therefore, the Bible teaches that the Christian is to be consecrated, pure, and presented to the Lord. However, what we want to deal with this morning is the Bible teaches that we're also to be committed to the Lord. Consecrated to the Lord, committed to the Lord. Not the same thing. Two different things. In order for God to use you, in order for God to use me, in order for God to use us as a church, we have... Uh, to be consecrated to the Lord, but we have to be committed to the Lord. Committed to the Lord. We have to understand this call to, there's this call to commitment. We'll talk about that in a moment. And then there's a cost of commitment. So there's a call to commitment. There is a cost to commitment. And so the question that we are going to be addressing this morning is simply this. Are you committed to the Lord Jesus? You consecrated? Are you committed to the Lord Jesus. So I suggest to you, in, in this thing called consecration, and this thing called committed, I suggest to you this morning that if a person is truly, now listen, if a person is truly consecrated to the Lord, if they're pure and clean, morally, mentally, spiritually, and they have presented themselves as an offering to the Lord, personal commitment will be a natural result of that consecration. If you're not totally consecrated to the Lord, more than likely you're not going to be totally committed unto the Lord. And it takes both for the Lord to do great and mighty things in your life, in my life, and in the life of our church. I remember hearing an expression all my life, and it was simply said, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding. And I remember going, uh, Judy and I, we went to her parents' house one day for a, for a dinner. I can't remember if it was on Sunday afternoon or when it was, but we went and, and Miss uh, 
Miss Williford, she had, was that a, was that a uh, coconut pie? She made this beautiful pie, had meringue on it and everything. But in, when you cut into it, the main ingredient was missing. I believe it was coconut. It was missing. No coconut in the coconut pie. And the proof was in the pudding. Now, when we think about commitment, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is there. You can drive by churches on Sunday morning. You drive by this parking lot out here. You can look at empty chairs in here. And we have extra chairs for other people to come in, but we have a lot of people who are not committed to the Lord on the Lord's Day. The proof is in the pudding. You can drive by churches on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You can drive by, if you're driven by our evangelistic rally or that our discipleship rally that we had a couple of weeks ago, the proof is in the pudding. We had a lot of people that were not committed to, to that evangelistic rally. You can drive by a, a revival services, and the proof is in the pudding. You can walk into a worship service, and sometimes you'll hear preachers preaching and begging people to be committed in their tithes and offerings. The proof is in the pudding. You can, you can hear preachers talk about being faithful in serving and being committed in stewardship and being committed in serving the Lord and using your spiritual gifts. The proof is in the pudding. And so when it's all said and done, it's obvious that commitment is a problem with followers of Jesus Christ. Now, you can expect a person who never trusted Christ for their salvation, never experienced the joy of their salvation, not to be committed to the things of God. But it just boggles my mind in how a Christian who's trusted Christ to save them from their sin, to snatch them out of a devil's hell, refuses to be committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't understand it. That's one thing I'll die and I'll never understand. How we could do that. So this morning, the question is, are you taking serious the call of commitment? Are you taking serious the cost of a commitment as a Christian? Or are you just using Jesus as a means of achieving peace of mind? Or uh, the means of achieving success? Or the means of having some type of, some type of feeling about eternal security when you die? Is commitment there? You just have a feeling. Is your life based on feeling about the Lord Jesus? Or is your life based on a radical commitment to the Lord Jesus? It's going to be interesting to find out. You heard just a few minutes ago what Jesus said. If any man come to me, let him deny himself. If any man come to me, if any man wants to be a follower of mine, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Here's the point. Can your commitment be described as a feeling or just a, a feeling, just a feeling, or can it be described as radical obedience and commitment? You see, just a feeling, just kind of to achieve a peace of mind or success or this false sense of security that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Daniel Holcomb said this, one time professor of church history at New Orleans Seminary. That was a long time before I went there, but in the 60s and 70s and 80s. This is what he said. Christian commitment is an exercise in identification and translation. You identify... I'm, I'm leaving a quote. He said, Christian commitment is an exercise in identification. You identify with the Lord Jesus. 
then there's a translation. A Christian identifies with the life and the teaching of the mission of Jesus Christ. But he also must translate into practical daily expressions of what he says he believes and feels about Jesus. I love Jesus. How do you translate that into your everyday Christian life? I believe the Word of God. You won't come study it. How do you translate that into the Word? How do you translate that into feeling? I believe lost people need to be saved, but you never share it with lost people. How do, you, how do you translate what you believe about Jesus into everyday practical living? Are you committed? Christian identifies with the life, teaching, and mission of Jesus Christ. He also translates into practical daily expressions what he says he believes and feels about Jesus. Then he says, such commitment produces... A distinctive style of life reflected in our priorities, in our attitudes, in our behaviors, in our, in our relationships, and in our sense of purpose. If you're committed to Jesus, it's going to show in your life. If you're not committed to Jesus, it's going to show in your life. If you've truly accepted Jesus Christ in your life... You're saying, by faith, I've identified with the life, the teaching, and the mission of Jesus. If that is really true, that's going to be reflected in your priorities, your attitude, your behavior, your relationship, and your sense of purpose. If it's not, you're kidding yourself. If you've committed your life to Jesus, it shows. If you haven't, it shows. Now, what does this commitment mean? Notice what he says there in verse 23. He says, and he said to them, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross daily and follow me. If any desires to come after me, if any man, any person, anyone, if... I put a parenthesis in my Bible around, I put a star around that if. If anyone desires to follow me, if anyone desires to come after me, if. That word is really important because Jesus doesn't take it for granted that you're going to commit yourself to him. See? He doesn't take it for granted that you're going to follow him in this radical obedience. But if you do, this is what is expected of you. He's no bully. He's not going to force you to commit yourself to him. He doesn't force you to commit to him. He doesn't force you to follow him. He just simply offers you a path with hardships and joys. And he says, if you want the greatest adventure that you'll ever have in your life on earth, and when you leave earth, you need to be committed to me. A genuine relationship with God is a matter of choice. And not chance. So have you made the choice to commit yourself to Jesus? The point is a relationship with God demands conscience, demands a conscious, intelligent, and decisive choice to commit yourself to Jesus. You make that choice. Friend, listen. It's a moment of truth, truth, when you deliberately choose to follow Jesus Christ and to seek His will. So first of all, 
Commitment, there's a call to commitment. Verse 23. And it has three parts. Notice that, if you will. Verse 23. He said to them, if any man makes that choice, comes after me, and, and here's what's involved. He says, let him deny himself. Deny himself. Now, we, need, we, we really have problems with denying ourselves. It's hard for some people on Sunday to deny themselves of the time that they would come to the Lord's house to worship. They want that time for themselves. Jesus is talking about innate selfishness. Worst kind of selfishness. It's, it's not about you. When you come to Christ, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Him. All about Him. You deny yourself. You deny your selfish ambitions. You deny your selfish behavior. I want what I want. You don't always want what you want if you're a child of God. You want what He wants. Your selfish attitudes just caring about yourselves and not others, or you have to deny your selfish desires, our needs above the needs of others. So to follow Jesus, listen, will cost you. You have to put Him first in your life. If any man come after me, let him deny himself. Think of selfishness. I was thinking... Of an Think of selfishness as a, as a hungry wolf that consumes everything that it can eat. And, and to deny self means you don't feed it. Identify the food of your selfishness. Whatever that food is that you would feed to that hungry wolf of selfishness, deny yourself of that. Stay away from all of those things and deny yourself from those things. So commitment is a choice, there is a call, there is a cost, you deny yourself. And then notice what he says, you take up a cross. He said to them, if any man will come after me, choose to follow me, let him deny himself of all of his selfish whims and desires. It's not about you anymore, it's all about what I can do for him and give to him and be for him. And let him take up his cross daily and follow me. Let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross. I want, just imagine walking down, this, walking down a little country path or a little gravel road. <laughs> it had to have been gravel back then. Gravel road in Jerusalem. And you're around the curve. It's out in the countryside. And all of a sudden there's a cross four feet off the path. And there's a criminal hanging on that cross. It's being crucified. It's this decaying body there. The cross was the, the worst form of punishment for anyone, capital punishment. It, it, the Romans were noted, noted for their crucifixion. They, they perfected crucifixion if there is such a thing. Jesus said, take up your cross. And my commitment to Christ, literally, when it's all said and done, is a commitment to death. Now, a lot of people tried to read around this passage and say, no, it means, uh, it means this, it means that. No, it means you're willing to die for Christ if you're committed to Him. That's what it means. With my commitment, it should be a willingness to die, if necessary, for Christ. How's your commitment? You see, God expects no less, no more, 
from you and I than he did his own son. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Notice what he says. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is the mind of Christ. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but... <clears throat> Excuse me, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even or unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus was committed in doing the perfect will of the Father, even if it meant giving his life on the cross. And that's what he did. He humbled himself. And so he says, listen, if you choose to follow me, you're going to have to deny all of your selfish whims and pleasures and desires, and you're going to have to be willing to take up a cross. And if it don't work out like you think it is, even to the point of death, you're willing to sacrifice that. And then he says, follow me. Follow me. Before we get to follow me, let me share something about that sacrificial death just for a moment. I found this, uh, I was reading last night and this this comes from the voice of the martyrs and you have a write-up in the in the in the announcement sheet every week about someone's being persecuted and another brother or sister being persecuted for christ listen this 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 man's name was father saba and he was from north lebanon this is not in your sheet this is something different but he talks about being he talks about being riddled with bullets and he survived all of this and he was still witnessing in the Muslim world. He was a converted Muslim and he's still witnessing to, to, Muslim, to Muslims in North Lebanon there. And he, 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 he shared with these Muslims how much he loved the Lord and how much he loved them to the point that he was, uh, they tried to assassinate him and, and they, they burned his car and they tore up all of his Bibles he was giving out. And then they shot him several times and they left him from de for dead, but he survived. Then he went back witnessing again. And one of the people that he witnessed to was a, was a Muslim and, and uh, his name was Mary Asa. And, and he, he, he shared the gospel with Mr. Asa. And, and all of a sudden, Asa, he began to, he wanted to identify with the Lord through baptism. That's natural. He wanted to identify with him through baptism. And so he, he goes and takes his bathtub. Uh, uh, Asa takes his bathtub out of his bathroom and puts it in the living room and invites all of the neighbors in the entire little village to come to his baptism. And he was so excited that he was being baptized and, and they baptized him. And three months later, a knock was uh, heard on the door and he, he goes to the door and and he opens the door, and there's some Muslim extremists. They came in, and, and they threatened to kill him. And he said, you can do what you want to with me, but, but Jesus Christ is my Lord. He's my Savior. And he began to cry out to his, Lord, uh, to his wife. He cried out to his, to his wife and his 12-year-old daughter and his 8-year-old son. And I'm going to quote this. He says, don't leave Jesus, Mary. cried out to his wife, Miriam. The attacks, then the attackers, after he cried that out, they slit his throat. The destiny of those Christians who are trying to Christianize us, they will meet the same fate as your husband. The man with the knife told Mary's, uh, Myra's wife before leaving. This guy was committed to Jesus Christ to the point of giving his life for Christ. Deny yourself, take up your cross. I'm going to close with this. He says, follow me. 
Notice, follow. Follow is a personal imperative verb here. And it, it emphasizes a continual following. You don't follow him in the good times and not the bad times. You don't follow him, you know, three, uh, one Sunday out of a month. You don't follow him. You follow, it's a continual following. He's first in your life. You love him above all others, even your family. If any man come to me and hate not his mother and father and, and wife and brothers and sisters and his children and, yea, his own life also, he can't be my follower, my disciple. The word hate there doesn't mean the hate that we have today, but love less. If any man comes to me and does not love these less than me, he cannot be my disciple, my follower. So who's first in your life? It has to be God if you're committed to him. So this is an imperative verb, and it's, it's, it's a continuum. So we're to walk with him daily. We're to read his word. We're to hear his voice. We're to sense his presence. We're to obey him. We're to see him working in our lives. And this is the abundant life. Jesus said, uh, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, John 10, verse 10. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so when you read his word and hear his voice and sense his presence and obey him and see him working in your life, you're living the abundant life. And one day, we're going to stand before him as the guy sang a few minutes ago. And we're going to be rewarded for how we served him. And I hope one day we'll be able, and you'll be able, I'll be able to lay a crown down on a pile of crowns. Because of why? Because we made a commitment to follow Jesus. God wants to do great and mighty things in your life. However, for God to work, we have to understand the call, the cost of commitment. Please understand that biblical commitment is reflected in our priorities, our attitudes, our behaviors, our relationships, our sense of purpose. And so back to the question, are you truly committed to Jesus Christ? Have you responded to that call in your life? Have you thought about the cost? Have you denied yourself? Have you taken up the cross? Is there a daily following him every day? C.S. Lewis said this. I don't know if we have that on the screen, but uh, uh, let me share this. This is great. He, see, he wanted, he, he wanted to know, he wanted everyone to know how important this radical act of, of, of commitment would be. And so... He says this, he says, let me read it. He says, when we look at the kind of radical commitment Jesus calls for, deny self, pick up a cross, you might wonder why anyone would want to do such a radical act. Would anyone just answer Jesus' call to follow me? Would Jesus give sufficient reasons why we should say no to self and endure the cross? If you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. And if you lose it, you're going to say, that's the reason we make the commitment. If you're trying to save your life by rejecting Christ, you're going, to re you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for receiving Christ, you're going to save it. He puts it this way, give me all. I don't want so much of your time, so much of your money, so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are good. I don't want to cut off a branch here, a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. I don't want to drill the tooth, tooth or crown it or stop it, but to have it out. 
hand over the whole natural self, all the desires you think innocent as well as the one you think wicked, the whole outfit. I'll give you a new self instead. In fact, I'll give you myself, my own will shall become yours. Remember the song we sing? All to Jesus I surrender. He don't want 10% of your life. He don't want 50% of your life. He don't want 80% of your life. Friend, listen, if you come to Christ, he's expecting 100% of your life. And anything less than 100 is not pleasing to him. So examine your life and ask the question, am I committed to Jesus Christ? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for a time that we've had to come together today Open your word and think about this thing called commitment, true commitment. I lift up every person here to you. I pray for those who have never trusted you, have never stepped out and say, God, I'll be a follower. I feel the Holy Spirit calling me and, and tugging at me and pleading with me to give my life to Jesus. And today, I want to give my life to you, Lord. I come to you and I repent of my sins. I turn from my sins. I put my faith and trust in you and nothing else to get me to heaven. And God, if, if, uh, if you don't get me to heaven, I'm not going to heaven, but I'm making my commitment to you. And because of that, Lord, I'll follow you in believer's baptism, and I'll be identified as a follower of you. And I'll serve you till I die on this earth. And if they take my life from me, Lord, I'll die serving you. I pray, Lord, that'll be all of our commitment today, our desire today. Thank you, Lord, for others who are here that will be struggling with making commitments. Help us to search our heart, render our heart to you, Lord, that we'd be willing to come in a renewed commitment, Lord, as we begin a new week and a new commitment to being committed to you. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Terry's going to...